Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Welcome to the Along Came a Writer Network. Opinions expressed in our shows do not necessarily reflect. Welcome to Publishing Lane with your host, Margie Lane Klubine, Executive Director of Write Integrity Press. Hello and Happy New Year! Yes, this is indeed Publishing Lane, and I'm Margie Lane Klubine, and I am so delighted to have Faye Lamb still with me. Yay! Hi, Faye. How are your holidays? Hi, Hi Margie. They were great. They were great. How were yours? Oh my gosh, we had a blast. We have a blast. We have four Christmases every year because the way my family is. So we have a, a Christmas with just just our nuclear family, and then we have a Christmas with my brother and my mom and all of his family, and then we have a Christmas with my husband's family uh, up in Oklahoma, and then we have a Christmas with my stepmom and all of her family and all of my and my sisters and everything. Oh my gosh, four four Christmases every year since I was about oh, twenty years old, and I'm not going to tell you how old I am now. But boy, that's a lot more. That's a lot more. I, I have to tell you though. <laughs> you know what? Or four? What is it? Four weddings and a funeral. <laughs> four weddings and a funeral. But I think there's another one called Four Christmases. Called Four Christmases. <laughs> oh, this should be a book. I'm telling you. You know, I bet I could write a book about it. It would be hysterical, because we do. We and all of them are different types of Christmases. It is just so much fun. Um, but I have to tell you, I had so much fun. This Christmas, there were there were three things that really stood out. The first one was from my first Christmas, and it was just, I had two favorite gifts. Now, actually, I had a lot of favorite gifts, but two of them particularly just were delightful. One of them was just really shallowly delightful in that I have never considered getting one of these, and now that we have it, I love it. I play with it every morning and sing to it every afternoon and exercise to it. It's an Echo Dot, the Amazon Echo Dot. I have had so much fun with that gift. I never thought I wanted one, but my one of my twins gave it to me. And I don't know if she gave it to me or gave it to herself because she's the one that played with it and set it up on Christmas Day. But I have had so much fun with it now. <laughs> well, that's, that's, so that's one of my gifts. And that's kind of shallow in that I just really like it. Not that it's special or anything. I just... I'm having fun with my new toy. I feel like a little kid again. Uh, then I had this, my other twin, um, it, she's, she's really kind of, she, not kind of an artist. She actually is an artist. She's amazing. Last night she sat and painted a pin- picture. It took her about two hours. And it's gorgeous mountain scene with with uh, birds flying across the water and fog coming in. Uh, she is just so talented. But this one piece that she did for me, it's kind of like a plaque. And it made me cry. Um, it has some pictures of, of me and her with my with her sister, her twin sister, the three of us. And, of course, we hang together an awful lot um, anyway. But it said, if I didn't have you for my mom, I'd choose you as my friend. And it just made me ball. It's going in my office. I can tell you that right now. Yes, yes. So what was what was your favorite gift? Well, I had kind of one like yours with them. I had the Amazon Echo as well. And I think that it was given to me by my youngest son as a joke because they know <laughs> that I have a fear of AI and I'm trying to get over <laughs> my distrust of Alexa. And I'll tell you, okay. yesterday morning I was trying to do something and I said, Alexa, play Christmas hymns or pl- play hymns. And Alexa tells me she doesn't know what a hymn is. <laughs> Oh, so, no. Alexa oh, no. Oh, no. Back and forth. <laughs> she knows what yeah. gospel is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. And it's, you know, I can tell you. Country gospel turns into Elvis Presley doing his hip hop oh. songs. <laughs> <laughs> 
I can tell you though, she does play. Um, if you if you ask her, she will play traditional Christmas songs, and those are the Christmas hymns. And then she'll play oh, okay. popular Christmas songs, and so that's the way she'll do those. But I will say, if you have trouble distrusting her, ask her to tell you a story or a joke or a riddle, because she'll do those, and they're fun. I mean, they're just oh, okay. it, it's my my daughter's been teaching me all kinds of stuff with her. Um, speaking of, of games and riddles and stuff like that, my brother's family comes over on Christmas. Um, used to be Christmas morning when all our kids were young, and now by the time we get the majority, not all of the not all of the grandkids can come. But um, my son couldn't come this year, but um, but the majority of the grandkids could get there just after noon. So we had a little bit later of a of a turkey thing, but we had. We started this last year of, an, of a tradition of playing these games, and this particular game it was it was it's fun to play. It lasted 20 minutes. We were unwrapping a present, and the you have one person is rolling the dice to get doubles, and the person next to them who has just gotten doubles is trying to unwrap this present as fast as they can before the person gets doubles. And once the person gets doubles, then they have to, huh? I said that sounds what? fun. That oh, it was. Fun. I, I actually, yeah, I actually have a video of it. It was hysterical because the catch is, okay, there is a little twist to it. You have to wear, well, we had to wear a reindeer hat, reindeer antlers, and um, muffin mitts, oven uh, muffin mitts, oven mitts. So we had to wear reindeer hat and oven mitts while we're unwrapping this present. And this present is not just wrapped with paper. It's wrapped with um, aluminum foil and paper and saran wrap and, and uh, shipping tape. I mean, we made it hard. We were, we were laughing our heads off. It was so funny. Oh, my gosh. I think my nephew ended up on the ground. He got punched out by his wife. <laughs> I know it is hysterical and we do almost the same thing on on New Year's Eve night it almost got our our New Year's Eve almost got um wintered out because they were calling for ice and it was down in the 20s but thankfully the drizzle ended before the temperature plummeted um so we ended up having um about almost two dozen high schoolers teenagers over at the house and we did our annual silly string fight at midnight oh so yes in 22 degree weather it was the fastest silly string fight we have ever done <laughs> oh i bet it was i bet that sil that silly string froze a little bit too <laughs> <laughs> yes they had to pick it up before they came inside because i'm like i don't want it sticking to my sidewalk <laughs> <laughs> that's true that's true my family has we started a tradition last year too with my mother-in-law's Christmas village. We've been collecting Christmas village for her for 30 years and it got oh, so wow. she couldn't put it up any longer. So my granddaughters, my three granddaughters, one of them is six. The other one is they're going to shoot me. One is um, 13 and the other one is four, 15. And they came over and they actually made bridges so that they, so that the town citizens could cross from one piece of furniture to the other so that my whole dining room was nothing but Christmas village and oh, we I had so that. much fun oh I bet <laughs> I you did I actually videoed it I videoed oh, it and, oh put, and put it on Facebook so if anybody wants to look me up I just kind of went around the town and showed showed the little town and the bridge <sighs> and the car going over the bridge <laughs> that is so cool I love that idea you know we have a little Christmas village but I always put it all on the piano I'm going to see about spreading that puppy out that sounds like fun I like they, that idea fun. of having little bridges they are fun I love I love uh, Christmas villages but I will tell you I am so excited about 2018 now for those of you that are listening one of the little slides on this this um, on the show is all of our books from 2017. Those are the books that we actually published in 2017. We're going to be talking a bunch about several of them um, here in a bit, but 2018, I don't know how I'm going to fit them all on a meme because we're going to have like 24 books coming out at least. There may be more by the time we're done. I am so excited about 2018 um, and our plans. So, what are you excited about, Faye? Are you there? 
I'm here. I'm here. I'm hearing it. Okay. I'm, I'm hearing like a double feedback. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Great. Oh, I'm so sorry you're hearing feedback. I am not hearing that, though. So tell me about tell me about your 2018 excitement. Uh oh. I'm looking Did we lose? forward to oh, the, there you are. Can you hear me now? Yes, I can. <laughs> okay. It's like you're speaking and then I'm then you come back in and then I come in. Oh wow. Okay, well I'm gonna stay quiet then. <laughs> and I'm gonna say, Okay, it's on to you, Faye. Let's hear it. Well, I'm looking forward to the completion of the last novel in my The Ties That Bind series. It's Delilah. And I'm also working on the first novel of another series that will be a Christmas romance that's set in Florida Swamp that you haven't been privy to yet, Margie. And I'm really excited about the book that has taken me a lifetime to write, Storms and Serenity, because it will be released in March. I am so excited about Storms. I cannot wait for the release of that book. It is a great book. I, I, and I, I, I was telling you just before the show started, and for those of you readers, Faye and I get on early and we sit there and chat about all kinds of stuff. I'm not going to give you all the details. But one of the things we were talking about was Storms and, and Serenity. And oh my gosh, I look forward to setting aside whatever it is I'm doing so that I can edit just a little bit more on Storms. It is such a good story, and I love these characters. I cannot wait to see more oh, um, of that series. Oh, I can't wait to see more of that series. Now, you know this, The I think the thing that I like, well, no, I can't say that. I love the characters. I love, love, love the characters in Storms. Oh my gosh, they stay with me, but I love the setting that you've chosen. And, and you really know this setting pretty well, don't you? I do. Um, I, I don't think, I, I really shouldn't admit this, but I have been writing this story since I was in my teens and I wrote it in snippets. And before I actually found the perfect setting, it was written all over the place. I had, I had it in Kentucky, I had it in other places. And then my husband and I discovered a little island town on the north central Gulf of Florida called Cedar Key. And from that time on, the setting was a, it's a similar type fictional island that I call Serenity Key. And this story is a modern day retelling of the aftermath of David's sin with Bathsheba. Um, David New is a man who has, he's hid a horrible secret for years and he's unable to see how the sin he committed could affect other people. Then God sends two brothers to the small island where he lives and the daughter David has never met goes missing and, and they fear she's dead. David then knows his sin's about to be uncovered, but he can't even imagine what God has in store for him. So the setting of the island really comes into play because two storms are they're barreling down on this tiny little town. One's a physical hurricane, and the other is a spiritual tempest that, that it could destroy David's life, or it could right everything that he's done wrong. And we follow Dave, we follow David through this, this tempest, or the tempest that's well, taking place. I, and it is. You know, you describe that so well, because you're right. I'm Right now, I'm at the hurricane part, by the way, just so you know. Towards, <laughs> towards Yeah, I'm... For those of you that are listening, it's toward the end of the book. I'm not going to tell you anything more than that. But so I'm, I'm at this point, and we're, we're, um, we're, I'm going through the editing on it, and I really am having trouble putting it down. But the other night, I was editing it. And when it gets to 1 a.m. and I'm editing, I'm like, oh, please, Margie, put the book down. You're going to make mistakes. Because, I, I mean, I know I'm going to. But I, it's so hard to put down, Faye. Drat you. You're going to make me lose sleep. <laughs> I'm telling you what. Good. Yes, there you go. But I will say, you're not the only one, Faye. We have got, you are, you are amazing author. And you are coupled you. with all these other wonderful, amazing authors. We are so blessed at Right Integrity Press with so I many authors. Other authors, yes. Yeah. Me too. Oh, my gosh. And as I'm <laughs> editing their work, I'm like, 
who did I think I was trying to write for this company? Oh my goodness, because they are so good. You all are so good. Um, and I, tonight we're talking readers, y'all, our listeners, y'all have come on thinking we're going to talk about setting. Well, guess what? You are right. We are so going to talk about setting. We're going to talk our way through some of our books, specifically focusing on unique settings that we have. And so as we mentioned some of these books, I'll also mention if they happen to be on sale for right now, because I want you to get experience looking at settings, not just not just settings that are, you know, oh, that's a cute place, but settings that really play take a vital part in the stories, the way the story is set up. Like, for instance, we're just talking about Storms and Serenity. The setting of Serenity Key, I mean, even the name of it, oh my gosh, Peace, Serenity Key, the name of it, the the whole description of it, the town itself is its own character. I mean, it really takes up a presence in this story and I, I know Faye was saying that she actually had it set in different places as she was going along writing through the snippets until she found uh, Cedar Key in Florida and then ended up uh, matching it to Cedar Key but I don't know that you could where the story is now where it has become I don't know you could pick that up and take it and put it anywhere else because I know that I that it, it, yeah, it's just, it's too much a part of the story. And that's where setting, it doesn't always have to be that way. But when it is that way, it really makes the book special. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm here to tell you, once March rolls around, you are going to want to get Facebook and you're going to want to experience it yourself. You'll know what I mean when you finish reading it and you'll go, oh, she was right. I can't wait to read the next one of these because it's, Faye's actually at the beginning of a series, and you're going to want to keep reading them. Um, but I want to tell you about a couple of our books. First off, we have a book that is released today, and I'm so excited for this book. We, it has been a long time in the making, not as long as Faye's, but still a long time in the making. And it is a beautiful book. It, I mean, it, the writing is beautiful. It's it's charming. And when I'm saying this, okay, you're thinking a novel that's charming. No, it's not a novel. This is a children's picture book, and it's called Hooray for Holidays. And Peggy Cunningham is a missionary in Bolivia. She's our author. Um, and she has actually taken the animals, the real animals that she has on her ranch in Bolivia. Um, and these animals tell the stories of in this book, the winter holidays, the three main winter holidays, the animals tell these stories with a, a biblical, with a godly thread to them, with a faith-filled thread to them. And these animals, first off, the animals themselves, like I said, are real animals that she has on her ranch, and, which is right now, I just smile because I can picture these animals. But she found the most wonderful illustrator in Missy McConnell. And this this young lady has made her illustrations, made her, her story come, her stories come to life with such elegant illustrations of this beautiful place. And again, setting is key. The animals are adorable, but the setting is mountainous Bolivia, this beautiful place. And and the illustrator has done an incredible job with it. I I, I love these stories. Peggy is absolutely a, a master when it comes to doing children's stories. She's a teacher, and so that makes it really easy for her. But oh, she is so gentle with what she does, and these stories are great. Doesn't that sound fun, though? Don't they? Don't those books just sound fun? It does. And I've met Peggy. She's just a fun person to be around. She's so so upbeat, so happy. I haven't, of course, I haven't been able to read Hooray for Holidays, so I'm excited to get a copy, even just to share with my grandchildren. But Peggy's writing is so imaginative. Her stories about the Incan rabbits that are yes. in Bolivia, they're treasures. They're something that you want to keep and, and share with your children through the ages, maybe even hold on to, to share with your grandchildren. Over and over again, yes. And these books, like I said, they are beautiful. Do you know, Faye, this particular book we're even putting out in a hardcover. We've done it oh. in um, 
ebook, the paperback should come out in a few days, and a hardcover is coming out also in a few days. It is, it's going to be gorgeous. I can't wait. I am oh, getting a copy okay. of the hardcover book, I'm saying right now. Um, I'm going to be putting my order in, too. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Well, and then Elizabeth Noahs also has Talking About Landscape. Tell me about her books, because you know her books even better than I do. Oh, I have, I was, I was Elizabeth's critique partner, and I was the one saying, these have got to be published, they've got to be published. I am so glad you did. Oh my gosh, I'm so glad you did. She's like the little, the little diamond that you find and you hold on to because it's so precious, and she doesn't even know how valuable she, she is. Her writing is so, we, we call her series the imperfect series, but her writing is perfect. And she oh. created this little explosive escape with that series. It's, I call it, I think it's the Triple C Ranch, if I'm seeing it, because it's yes. Cameron. Um, right, and right. And it's, and it's, it's, and it's three little, it's three little uh, horseshoes for the seas. Yes. Three little horseshoes yes. for the seas, yeah. And she's even, there's like a, a, a banner up above, but it's a majestic setting. She's given us just enough information. I can see this grand house and the barn and the landscape. And I'm right in the middle of Idaho with her and I've never been there. My imagination, she, she knows how to bring out the details and my imagination fills in the other things that, that I need to see. I see the valley and the rising mountains. I can see the wild horses that the cameras protect. And she has this, these perfect heroes for that landscape, these rugged cowboys who are ex-military and work in a variety of fields. And they all belong on that ranch. And I can see every one of them. We joke, I joke with Elizabeth that Joe is my favorite. And he, she has got to get that story written. (laughs) Yes, yes. Well, you know, I got to tell you, reading... um, the the most recent one of her series, um, Imperfect Lies, it was riveting. My eyes were popping. I'm like, oh my gosh, I had no idea because, okay, for those listening that you may not know, I've only been the editor at Ride Integrity Press for a year. It's it's we just passed my one year anniversary, and so the books that we put out before then, some of them I've been able to read, but most of them I haven't because my 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 work my current work takes up all of my time with my as far as reading is concerned i don't read for fun anymore i wish i wish i did sometimes i listen on uh, for fun but i don't get to read for fun anymore but i am i still love my job because my job is fun because i get to read these amazing stories and oh my gosh elizabeth is definitely one of those she had me up like you do all night long thank you very kindly <laughs> It, and it is. It is absolutely riveting. And they had horses on that ranch, right? They yes, had the, they the, the horses, horses, yeah, that they, that they protected. Right. You know, I can imagine the view in such a beautiful place. But I have to tell you, you know, Deb Harper has cattle in her series as well. Though <laughs> yes, they're does. not really, yeah, they're not horses exactly. <laughs> her, her Roads In series, it's not set in a real place. Um, it, she made up this town of Rhodes End. I said Road Series. It's Rhodes End. She made up this place of Rhodes End, and it's a pretend town in Virginia. But she has made it just as beautiful. And she is her. Okay, how do I put this? Her town is not so much uh, majestic. Would not be the right de- the right descriptor for that town. No. <laughs> No, it wouldn't. Uh, but you know, Deb is a stitch, and her humor makes this town so stinking real. I, right down to the cattle. Uh, yeah, yes, not she, horses. She does not have horses. <laughs> she doesn't no. have cows. In fact, there's no. only one herd animal in the town. <laughs> you're, okay, you're right. You're right. Right. Cattle would be plural. I can. I cannot imagine any more of this particular animal in her story. That would be, okay, that would be overkill. <laughs> uh, what an animal she is. And when she, when that animal enters that quaint little blizzard whiteout setting, I was completely undone. Deb, Deb said her story rolled up so well. 
that I can still envision the inn at Rhodes Inn, the church across the way, the bakery shop, yes. and there are other animals besides the one herd animal, the chicken. <laughs> oh, oh my, my word, the chickens. <laughs> <laughs> Those chickens are hysterical. Okay, but I'm not going to tell on Deb. We are not going to tell you what the animal is because no. Funny. And so this is both this is both misstep and faux pas. But I will tell you this: do not read them, misstep and faux pas. Do not read them in a public place if you embarrass easily, <laughs> especially in a quiet public place. <laughs> I read it sitting at my desk. It wasn't even published. It was it was in manuscript form, and I know that my neighbors heard my guffaws. I. I'm not exaggerating. I fell out of my chair and onto the ground. I was reaching up to my keyboard and I could not breathe. I was laughing so hard. So tell me, let me in on your experience. Well, let's just say that I no longer edit at the McDonald's near where my daughters used to go to classes. I I embarrassed myself at more than one lunch with laughter that I could not suppress. And I'm looking around and people are giving me these horrified looks that I am just split in the gut with tears running down my eyes and, and trying to hold my hand over my mouth. It, oh, my gosh, it hurts so bad. <laughs> but OK, but we got we we must pursue on because there are some others that have amazing settings. And I'm going to fill you in on this one, Faye. Dina Netherton is one of our newest authors, and she wrote a story back in, uh, I think it released in, oh gosh, April of last year. Last yeah, year. I think it was, yeah, it was April of 2017. And it was, it was the first of her hunted series. It was called Haven's Flight. And uh, Haven's Flight takes place in southern Washington state. Um, pretty much, I'm I'm thinking, at least let me put it this way, I'm guessing that's the right, it might be northern Washington State, in which case I'm all befuddled, but either way, this place fits with that majestic, um, because it's a mountainous area, huge trees, towering trees, raging rivers, snow, mountains, rugged, the rugged and Rockies, and oh my gosh, it was so, of course it's not the Rocky Mountains, just rugged Rocky Mountains, not the Rockies. Okay, never mind. I didn't capitalize it for those of you listening. Um, it is absolutely gorgeous. And the setting in this particular series, or at least in the first book, Haven's Flight, the setting definitely is part, uh, is it cannot be uh, disconnected from the story. The story can't be uprooted from the setting. It is so much a part of that setting. Um, Part of it happens in a in a cabin, uh, a, an isolated cabin in the woods. Part of it happens on a mountain, and I'm not going to even tell you the secrets of that because that was totally it was an eye opening. Oh my gosh, really? Um, it it was extremely extremely good, full of suspense, full of adventure. But I have to also oh I do have to tell you this though, the next one comes out in February. The next step, the next book in her series comes out in February. It's called Haven's Hope, and it's still set in this same wild area um, in between. And this one, I'm, I'm pretty sure, is between the pretty close to the border between Oregon and Washington. Um, but oh my gosh, it's so good! It's so good. You need to put it on your reading list, Faye. I was getting ready to say I, I'm going to put it out because I've talked to Dina and I told Dina I have to read your books because <laughs> I really <laughs> you talk them up so much and I can't imagine them being anything but but wonderful. They they are they are I we we've just finished uh, the final polish on it. It's actually her her next book um, Haven's Hope. Did I say it comes up in? Did I say March? I said February, right? Yeah. Well, it is actually on. Yeah, it's actually on pre-order now. And so oh, it it is forty percent off. So anybody that wants to get the ebook, you would be the first to get it when it actually goes on sale. It will pop up in your Kindle app um, if you go ahead and order it ahead, and you get it at forty percent off um, just until it's released. And did I also mention that 
Um, Peggy's book is also on sale today too because it's today's its yeah. release day. So okay, I didn't um, know if I mentioned that, but I wanted to make sure I did. Is yep. this the last day for Peggy's? This is the last day for Peggy's. I'm glad you said that. Yeah, in fact, uh, probably around midnight it'll flip over and uh, midnight central it'll flip over and no longer be be um, at its discounted price. So. If y'all are interested in getting that, and it looks beautiful even on Kindle. I was worried about putting a picture book on Kindle. You know, I haven't done that before. I know that Tracy did that with, um, Tracy is, is a former publisher. Oh, my gosh, she is amazing, amazing, talented woman. And um, she's the one that did the Really Rare Rabbits. And I yeah. had not had that experience. I, this was the first picture book that I'd ever put up um, before. And so it was really kind of, I want to say kind of unique. There's no such thing. It was it was unique for me to actually put it up and then look at a picture book on Kindle and see that it really looks like a picture book. It's really cool. I'll have to download so, it, and then I'm going to get the hard copy. <laughs> there you go. I'm still going to get the hard copy, too. <laughs> so, okay, there is another book that has a vivid setting. Um, our, the oh, yeah. series that... Betty Owens has has done. Tell tell about that one because I know you were instrumental in that one as well. Yeah, Betty, um, it's called Annabelle's Roost, and it's a it's not a modern day retelling. It's a 1950s era retelling of the story of Ruth, um, Annabelle's yeah. Ruth, and then there's Southern's Landing, and she's set them in Tennessee. And when you go into this book, you can you she takes you from California. And they trek into Tennessee where um, the heroine's mother-in-law is from. And you can imagine what has happened because it is the retelling. But when you get uh -huh. into, into Tennessee, you see the small town Tennessee lives, the houses on the outskirts, the farms where the fields are white. They're just white with harvest. You can see the antebellum house of one character, the farmhouses of others, the, the storefront, uh, the little grocery store. Betty brings all of this so vividly to life. And you, and when you talk about setting and historical setting, you know, you can just see these people and how they're dressed and, and how they behave and, and how they react to each other within the setting of this small town. It is it's a oh, phenomenal series. Yeah. You know, and Betty has such a a gentle way with her writing. That's the best way I can describe it. I, I don't know that I have read any other author that writes quite like she does. It is so, it's almost poetic. It's it so is. beautiful. And and her her stories are so rich. Not only her characters are rich and, and just totally full, but her stories are so rich. Her settings are so vibrant. Okay, now I'm going to ask a question, and this is a crazy question. Do you hear a low hum in my microphone? No. Okay, no, good. Because my something just turned on behind me and it's like oh my gosh i need to turn that off it's making a low hung on the on the thing so i needed to make sure that it wasn't okay good um well, I, yes I she betty's other her other series too because you talk about setting um her uh -huh. Carlotta tell me about this it's set in italy um and she's going to shoot me if it's not Italy, but I can see the, the vineyard, it's the vineyard, and she's there, and she's married uh, because of the need for money. Her heroine uh -huh. is married. So you see this vineyard, and you see the, the home and the stately life that she lives. She just brings that. Again, it's an it's a era piece, I think 1920s, 1930s setting, and it, it's just a wonderful thing in that setting is is part of the book. It's the Ithaker. Her first book, Amelia's Legacy, too, is set in an earlier time frame, and she she takes you into a speakeasy and and then into yeah. her the rich the rich lifestyle that she lives and and it's she just does like you said it's poetry and her settings are just so complete. Yes, yes. And speaking of speakeasy, the 1920s, one of our newest books is by Cynthia T. Tony, and it's also set in the 1920s. It's a middle grade, uh, mm -hmm. it's a middle grade reader type book. But I got to tell you, I loved it, and so did my teenage daughters uh, or teenage daughter, who's an intern with Right Integrity. Uh, she loved it, and so it's it's it, it's really 
it is so well written, but I have to tell you what's really cool about this particular story is it's set in a strawberry farm in Louisiana, and it's mm-hmm. inspired by her actual grandma, grandfather. Her, uh, Cynthia's actual grandfather immigrated from Italy to Louisiana about the tw- in about the 20s, and uh, it was just him. He came over with, uh, I say it was just him, he came over with another family, so it wasn't his family. Um, but life was, you know, it, it, it deals with subjects of you know, uh, prejudice and racism and uh, the the type of, the time period, the era where people were taking advantage of other people, um, particularly when it came to the to the racial divisions between people between immigrate between immigrants um i'm not even i'm not even bringing the current race racial issues into it i'm i'm just talking about in that time period it was more of an immigrant type of race racial issue but it was still prevalent and mm-hmm. it, she deals with it so well and a lot of it she got directly from her grandfather or from from her grandfather's from the stories that were passed down from her grandfather's so i just really love love her book oh her books they they all transcend generations i i was a Uh part of her bird safe series in fact i working for another publisher i tried to grab it but we didn't back then we didn't do um young adult books um Uh so her ya books are just as fantastic as this middle grader book um yes they are when you read them as an adult it's like it's meant for you as well. And a middle grader can pick up this book and will thoroughly get enmeshed in it. Just like any young adult will get enmeshed in her bird face series. Right, right. You know, and I love historical fiction. I, I've, I'm always passionate about mystery and suspense. Uh, everything has to have romance to me. But I love historical fiction, and I don't know what it is about history that grabs me, but I just get excited about it. Um, Even talking about my own ancestry and things like that, I get excited about it. But you know what really surprised me this last year, Faye? I really, really enjoyed a futuristic book, and that is Mm -hmm. so not like me. I mean... It, my hubby, my hubby has always been a, a Trekkie, and I like the Star Wars and stuff like that. But I have never been a fan of speculative. I'm just not. Don't get me wrong. There are some speculatives that I have liked, but I've just never gone. Oh, I love that. I love that. Until I read this book, and of all things, it's a dystopian, which. I'd never read Hunger Games. I never read any of those. I heard a lot about them. I am not a dystopian type because. I don't like the depressing, you know, type of, of thing. But this book by Kristen Hogriff, it began an outstanding series set at the end of the 30th century. And it is a futuristic, obviously, set at the end of the 30th century. And it's a dystopian book. But it looks back at the beginnings of the United States, which was the former civilization. In the 30th century, the U.S. of A. is the former civilization and it looks back at our early documents and our early history for answers to the problems that they're having that the the in the 30th century they're having um and like many of the dystopian series at least that i've heard of it has all kinds of action all kinds of adventure but i have to tell you it is totally unlike the rest of them because it is full of hope uh, every bit of this book is full of hope. I'm so excited um, about the next the next of hers coming. Like um, Dina, her like Dina's Hunted series. Um, Kristen's second book of her this her book is called The Rogues. Her her series is called The Rogues. Her first book is called The Revisionary. Um, it came out in June of 2017. Her second book comes out in let's see March. Yes, yours comes out the 1st of March. Hers comes out the end of March. So hers comes out also in March, along with Storms and Serenity. We've got a double a double whammy of a month in March. Oh, my gosh, it's <laughs> going to be exciting because you've got your, your riveting book and her uh, dystopian action adventure. Um, but it comes out at the end of the March, and I cannot wait for that one, though. And you have a book coming out, too, right? 
I do have a book coming out. You are actually one of my editors. Thank you so much. I love you. But I do. My book, Ain't Misbehaving, which is a contemporary romance, it comes out in two weeks on my birthday. In fact, two weeks from today. Oh, my gosh. It is two weeks from today. The ebook is actually discounted right now. It's also in pre-order, uh, in pre-release, and you can get it at 40% off. And I can't say, though, that the setting is all that extraordinary. It's not a wintry paradise, majestic, eh, probably not. See, it's set. Oh, wait. It's also not charming. Let me also say that. It's not majestic. It's not charming. It's actually set here in Dallas, which is my hometown. But I love the setting because I got to go around and choose these businesses to place different scenes. And I chose the buildings for my characters to live in. Oh my gosh, Faye, I had so much fun. <laughs> my oh, girls I and I traveled. Fun. We did, we traveled this town. There is a, a little school, uh, is it after, after school childcare? And there actually is a building on, oh gosh, I gotta remember the name of the street. Is it Harwood Street? I don't think it's Harwood Street. I can't remember, but it's a downtown street. It's a pretty main downtown street. I can't even remember it right now, but it's in downtown Dallas. And this building is actually there. I actually drove past it. <laughs> and it is, it, it, at the time of my writing it, it was perfect um, because this building had a huge field right next to it. And then out the front, it had a huge view of the skyline of Dallas. Uh, because da it's right in the middle of downtown, it's right in downtown, but it's the, it's on the north side of downtown, so it can see the skyline really easy. I did have so much fun uh, to to find that for the locations, and as I was editing it, and uh, again and again as I was going through it, I've got to tell you, it's a four tissue read for me. I yeah, I agree. You, you need to read it with a tissue, and I'm so happy that I was able to read the release before it came out. But I think you're wrong about the setting. You don't have one overall setting in that book. You have several. You have a Dallas penthouse. You have the suburbs, the rich suburbs of Dallas. But in contrast, uh -huh. you have the church. But then you also have the, the daycare center that, that you describe. And I uh -huh. can vividly see each of those settings. And I think they were important because the characters, they reflected the characters. And it, you know, it, you're probably right. Yeah, I think so. Because yeah. it's, it, you can have more than one setting. We've been talking about overall settings, but a book can have several settings that really match the, the point of view characters or the important characters in the book. And, and that brings it to life just as well. Yeah, you know, and I think, I think they are, I think settings are easily as important as the characters when it comes to creating them. And and you're right, you know, Dallas can't be really a, a full setting because it's such a big city and it is such a diversity. Mm -hmm. It's probably like any large city in the area that you live in, but um, well, you live near Orlando. So it's kind of like, you know, Orlando yeah. is a diverse, diverse city. Atlanta is a diverse city and Dallas mm -hmm. is the same way and it's very widespread, but you're right. A lot of the different places, um, Anna Lee is the main character. Her basement, where all the artwork is, is is a is kind of a has its own life for her, and yeah. uh, the definitely the after school, the after school childcare center, um, that that building is probably was probably built in the 1920s or 30s, and it's just this red red brick two story building with pillars in the front. And it actually is an apartment building. It actually has four apartments, two upstairs and two downstairs, but I've made it into one house with one built with one door. Um, and like I said, it had a huge lot next door that was just perfect for the kids to play in. Do you know they're building apartments in that lot now? <laughs> I'm so disappointed. Oh, <laughs> They've taken away my playground. <laughs> but, but still, I have pictures of when it was empty, so I, I like that. Uh, you know, yeah. settings though can be okay. Now we're going to really get into the to digging into settings itself. We've got about mm, 15 minutes to dig into settings after we've given you all of these examples. Um, 
a real good setting can be a character. And I'm thinking like the river in Huckleberry Finn. The river was a character. It was it was huge. You couldn't remove the river from that story. It played its own role. It was it was the safety zone. It 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 yeah. was it, as opposed to the land, the land was always the trouble. The river was always the safety. It was like it was like a mother's arms you know, keeping them safe and cradling them. Um, they, it was always their safety. And when a, when a, uh, when a setting is done well, it can really be a riveting portion of the plot, a riveting portion, a riveting member of the cast list. I think so too. And I think that when someone sits down to write a book, I'm, I'm actually have a story in my brain and I'm going off of, I, totally, you're not seeing what I'm talking about here. But my <laughs> husband and I brainstormed a mystery series, and I have been living in my father's head. My father was a unique human being, and I've decided to make him a mystery. I have a mystery series. Ooh. And since I'm his only living relative or his, his daughter, I can only sue myself, so I can go as deep as I can. But I kept thinking about what made my dad my dad. And the Arkansas mountains. So setting uh -huh. to him is important, but he was born a Florida boy. So I have to balance the Florida boy and the old man that set up in the Arkansas hills. So uh -huh. when you, when you start your story, you need to, you need to think about, okay, what's important to my characters? What, like, let me see when you, first of all, when you're writing a story, you got to set that you have to set that stage immediately for your reader. You can't just have a talking head out there talking without anything, any description, nothing going on. You have to let the reader know where you are. In fact, with, uh -huh. my, with the series I'm thinking about with my dad, I'm going to have to come up and describe the, the mountain where he lives. But I remember when I submitted a story to a contest and the judge rightly really threw the, threw the, scoring out the window as like a zero it should have been a zero because so she said is this a western and it wasn't a western it was a contemporary novel and i had to that's when i had to rethink the story and and set it in a farmhouse but i had to give clues that there were modern things like a lamp or a little boy you know legos on the floor something like that i had to give clues to the reader that we are in this time period um a setting is also important to, like you said, with, with Dina's story, um, it's, it's a suspenseful story. And I can just see the mountains in Washington with the mist over them and uh -huh. kind of a, a dreary cloud coming down. Um, setting is so important. And, and you don't always, you have to start that setting from the very beginning because you want your reader to be grounded in the story. But then you, as your story goes along and your characters move from place to place, you're going to have to reground them. Um, not every scene needs to be set. Some scenes can flow into the same setting, but a writer has to be careful to know when to provide the information needed when the setting changes. But we also have to be careful that that setting doesn't remove the reader from the book. So yeah. that setting, like, like your story, where you have a reluctant rich boy who's living in his father's Dallas condo, but he really is not connected to that condo. He's more connected to something else he loves. That's not about being rich. Um, those are, that that's an important detail to give. It was important that he live in this Dallas condo because we had to see the contrast. Um, between it, you know, yeah, and, and actually, them. I, yeah, I actually, I, I, I say this, I, I read this book, I wrote this book several years ago. And so as I'm editing it, it doesn't even really feel like mine. I, Cause I'm, I'm just like, Oh, that's cool. Oh, that's cool. And I don't even recall doing it. So I, I it's not mm -hmm. even, I don't even look at it as being mine. One thing I did like about that as I was going through the editing is I like the fact that he stands on the balcony. He doesn't really care about the condo itself, except that he likes the balcony because he can see into the streets. 
and see the yeah. people down there that really need him and the ones that hide in the shadows. And he talks, he even thinks through, you know, the, the fact that being down among the people, he's able to, to really make a difference. And the only thing he really likes about that condo is the balcony that makes him feel like he's part of the streets because he can see the streets from there. Um, I think that settings really build up a scene. Um, it, pre it presents the mood of a scene. Mm -hmm. For instance, um, let's say that you're putting together a scene about an argument. Um, and, and this is going to end up being an argument between your main two characters. And it's not going to be resolved in one scene. Maybe it's an argument that's mm -hmm. going to end with hurt feelings and, and bleed over into other scenes. You can dress your setting. You can you can actually set your mood by, uh -huh. I mean, this isn't a case of picking where you're going to be. You've already picked where you're going to be for this. But you can set your mood by decorating with, um, like, contrasting colors or with garish light, with clutter. Yeah. You know, that stirs up when, you, when, uh, when a reader is feeling and seeing the colors and seeing the um the dysfunction and i don't know maybe hearing scratchy music or something that that doesn't fit they're going to start feeling they're not even going to realize it but they're going to have a visceral reaction to it where they're going to start feeling the twinge in their stomach they're going to start feeling their shoulders rise just a little bit and it's a great feeling when when then the scene that goes on and the dysfunction between the characters matches the mood of the setting. Um, and again, going back to Sutter's Landing, uh, to, um, to uh, Annabelle's Ruth and Sutter's Landing, there's an incredible feeling of peace in the description. It doesn't mean that there's no conflict in the book. There's lots of conflict in the book, but it is a, it is a gentler time. It is a gentler place in in farming Kentucky and mm -hmm. it, I mean it and it so it's yeah. not yeah yeah and to put garish light or uh, clutter in that kind of a story it, it 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 doesn't work it totally it offsets one another and they don't work right mm -hmm. um you want to make sure that as you're creating your setting that the details, particularly the small details that you weave in to your narrative, will go with whatever scene you are creating. And you wouldn't want to put um, a scene with an argument, for instance, you wouldn't necessarily want to put in a lovely meadow with a soft trickling stream and the wind if you're going to put that kind of an argument of course arguments happen in soft trip with soft trickling streams and in a lovely meadow mm -hmm. if you're wanting to put an argument in that then have a reason for putting the argument there because you're not going to be creating that mood with the reader by the scene by the by the setting and so something needs to give a reason for the reader to to feel like that that's going to be agitation, to, to have the agitation in a nice, peaceful setting. If you're going to set an argument in a lovely field, in a meadow with a swing hanging down from a tree, if you're going to set an ar argument there, then add some mosquitoes, you know, yep. something. Don't, wouldn't you agree, Faye? Yes, I could see the character slapping it angrily at the mosquitoes. So you've got this, this genteel scene, but then you've got an angry slap by the, uh, the mosquito, and you could tell there's going to come an argument. Yes. Uh, you want to plan ahead to get a really good, mm -hmm. clear view. What type of scene are you initiating? Um, what What is an object that can surround the um the main character okay who is who is your pov character who is your point of view mm -hmm. character what emotion is that point of view character going to have okay these are important questions who is your pov character what emotion is your pov character going to have i hope you're taking this down listeners because you're going to start there and then you have to mm -hmm. look at your setting where have you decided to place this 
then find an object, something, or an essence, something that's going to reflect that emotion to develop the mood of the scene before the emotion ever hits. And this is the yeah. initial emotion. This is not the ending emotion. So like, like Faye and I were saying, if you're going to place this argument in this idyllic uh, environment with this lovely, you know, ribbons and bows and butterflies, then add some mosquitoes or something like that. Add the horn, the train horn or the train that's coming too close to the railroad, to, to the swing set or something like that. Add something that is going to garner agitation if that's the kind mm -hmm. of scene you're dealing with. Um, finding something, finding a, an object that will reflect your emotion will actually develop your mood. Um, when I write, I focus one scene at a time to build up the feelings of that scene. But Faye, now your your settings are pretty vivid and they're always crucial to the story. Like like the gray lady in um, Everybody's Broken. Yeah, a description of the location can set the tone of a book. Like your jungle scene in Counterpoint and Betty's bunker-like setting in one of the imperfect novels, which takes the reader away from the ranch and makes them long for the peacefulness there. And yeah. then, like you said, the great lady and everybody's broken. That story had to have a Victorian beauty with hidden rooms that no one could find because the story is actually what I wanted to define as a Christian Gothic. And you can't do Gothic without hidden rooms and strange occurrences in the home. Right. So some authors use setting as a character, like we've talked about, like the gray lady. She was a character in that novel, and she had great significance to what was going on to the main characters. And in my novel, Stocking Willow, the lake is part of the character of the story, and the diner that you created in Counterpoint, that was yeah. definitely a character, and the ranch in Betty series is it has it wouldn't be the same series without that ranch well we are actually running out of time we we're, we're we've only got like four four minutes left you know what let's bleed this over into next month what do you think because i know we have okay. a few other things to share and i don't want to yeah. miss out on those um so we will be sharing a little bit more about setting and then let me think what are we going to talk about next month we are Let's see, we're talking about, um, oh, we're talking about, we're talking about publishing tips, but in particular, we're talking about editing next month, um, in self-editing and some things, some hints and some tips that you guys can start working on uh, for self-editing. And this is going beyond the, uh, the uh, elements of a story. This is now getting into um, the details, some of the details. So okay. we're, we're going to be wanting to talk about that. But here we are, 2018. Faye, what are you looking forward to? What's, what is your number one goal for this year? Well, I had to set down a goal because I'm terrible. I have, I've set it down and I've kept it so far, but I'm only two days into it. I want to write 1,500 words a day no matter what. That's my, my physical goal, my spiritual goal. The Lord's laid on my heart the word faithfulness. So I'm going to work my hardest and pray my hardest that God will turn me into a faithful servant this year. Well, I had a I had a personal focus that the Lord laid on my heart. Um, I planned on writing up a, a post on that today, and I hadn't gotten a chance to get it done. But um, the word family has just really stayed with me. And I'm not just talking about my, my nuclear family or my um, extended family. I'm also talking about, like, the family that we have at Right Integrity. Um, the family that I have in the Bible study of these teenagers that come uh, to, and we were talking about this on New Year's Eve with the Bible study. We were talking about it that family members love each other, they encourage each other, they build each other up, and they hold each other accountable. And I, I really think that that's something that I am so blessed to have with my church family, with my Bible study family, with my own personal family, and with our family at, at Right Integrity Press. I, I love our family at Right Integrity Press. Um, but I, I, speaking of Right Integrity Press, I have a focus also for this year, and it's wrapped up in the word intentional. Um, in 2017, we put out 13 books. We have 24 books on the schedule already, and I, if everything goes according to plan, I, it is going to take an awful lot of focus toward a purpose. So I'm looking forward to it, though, because I absolutely love my job. I have incredible books 
and incredible authors. And I love doing this radio show. Um, those of you that are listening, if you're interested in sending questions to Faye and me, because she's going to be back, yay, reach us yay. at Down Publishing Lane. Yay at gmail.com and remember lane is l-a-i-n-e there's an i in it so down publishing lane at gmail.com um i was going to chat about a few other things but you know what we got to go so we're going to be talking to you soon come back in february the first week in february which i think is february 6th is that right um so come back and join us again and we will see you on the flip side until then be blessed keep writing don't forget to holler at us, especially if you like what you've been hearing, and we will talk to you again. Bye, all. Bye. Bye, Faye. Bye, Margie. This has been The Publishing Lane with your host, Margie Lane Klubine, Executive Director of Write Integrity Press. If you'd like to learn more about Margie and her publishing company, visit writeintegrity.com. That's W-R-I-T-E-I-N-T-E-G-R-I-T-Y.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.